Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on-air wing of En Route Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom with Bob Olson, who will now introduce today's show and speaker. Welcome to If You Know Mary, You Know Jesus. This program offered by Bob Cantoni will help you know more about Mary, the mother of Jesus. And here he is now, Bob Cantoni. Hi, everybody. Glad to be here, Bob. Got some exciting stuff to talk about tonight. How are you doing? Good. That's great. Well, praise be Jesus and Mary, let me tell you. How I love my God. <laughs> what an awesome God we have. And and then uh, I, I can't thank him enough for Blessed Mother because she just like opens the veil, if you will, to the heart. She's like the key to God's heart, to, to the heart of her son. And uh, that is both of all mercy. And uh, what we're going to talk about tonight is we're going to, uh, I want to tie in our latest revelations. It's, um, it's an apparition to a, a, a Bruno, his name is Cornacciola, Bruno Cornacciola from Italy. It, was, it happened on April 12, 1947, and I'm going I'm to share with you the words that Our Lady spoke to him, and I, I just wanted to tie that in because what we've been talking about for the past few, or uh, pretty much the whole show, actually, as long as, is, is Our Lady of Revelations, uh, uh, the woman clothed with the sun, Revelations 12. And it, the more I dig into it, the more I can see it's coming clear that it's God's great plan um, to bring children, his children back to himself through his mother. And it's and it be, it began in Genesis uh, in the book in the beginning of Genesis when God promised he, he prophesied he said to the serpent because you have done this I will put enmity between you and the woman between your seed and her seed so it's a call redemptive effort Jesus and Mary of course Christ is the source of redemption he's the ultimate redeemer but no other creature has partake, took more in God's redemptive work than Mary. But we're all called to that. We're all called to be a participant in God's redemptive work. And, and we need our Blessed Mother to do that. But, but you know, what I'm trying to say is all of, the, all of this is pointing to Revelations 12. It is here. It is here in God's plan unfolding before our eyes, especially in this day and age is God working very powerfully through Mary, the spouse of the Holy Spirit. In fact, um, what I'd like to say is, um, I think, I don't know if it was St. Louis de Montfort, or, or Father, even Father Gately, but he mentions, in it, he mentions this in his, uh, in his 33 Days to Morning Glory Consecration, that Mary is God's secret weapon. <laughs> She's kind of his lure. She is so beautiful, so holy, so loving, so sweet. You can't resist her sweetness. She is the seed of wisdom, full of wisdom. And she's also mediatrix of all graces. God can't refuse her prayer. So we're attracted to all of this, especially her beauty. We can't resist her beauty and her sweetness. So it's kind of like God, she's kind of like God's lure, to lure the soul, but her ultimate role is to bring us back to himself. And, and, and the consecration helps us most, she helps us most to be reunited and be totally and completely united and, and consecrated to the, her son's sacred heart, sacred heart of Jesus. So I want to try to tie all this together, and the first thing I want to talk about is the apparition in our later um, revelations. Then we're going to go into the Marian movement of priests, and of course I'm going to pray, I'm going to uh, read again Revelations 12. I, I'm probably going to do that several times and keep bringing that back in to make references and point out, you know, certain um, texts that that correspond to what we're talking about. But anyways. 
And also, as promised, I don't want to forget, I do have, as promised, the Divine Mercy, how they tied in, Our Lady of Revelations, how they talk about uh, the woman clothed with the sun is one and the same with Our Lady of Guadalupe, the woman clothed with the sun. I'll also read that too. But as always, let's begin with a prayer and ask for the intercession of our sweet blessed Mother, the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, Holy Spirit, come by means of the most powerful intercession of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, your well-beloved spouse. Dear Immaculate Mother, Our Lady of Revelations, the woman clothed with the Son, we're asking for you to please be with us, pray with us, intercede for us, protect us under your heavenly mantle of grace with all the holy angels and saints and souls in purgatory. We're uniting all of our prayers to your Immaculate Heart in union with all these great saints and angels and in union with all the masses said throughout the world today. In a powerful way, we're asking for your intercession for all those that are listening and that will continue to listen to help us to open our hearts and minds to all that the Holy Spirit desires to teach us. So for the triumph of your Immaculate Heart, the woman clothed with the sun, and it also says the earth helped the woman. The earth helped the woman and swallowed up this river. And that's exactly our intention tonight and, and this whole radio show is to help you, the woman clothed with the sun, for, to glorify God, to bring the most amount of souls back to the heart of Jesus for the conversion of sinners to his greater honor and glory to build up the body of Christ on earth so that Christ our King can reign King on earth, King in the church the way he has designed it to be. So we ask this in the holy name of Jesus through your intercession and union with St. Joseph always. Amen. 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 And I so, have a, a word here from St. Benedict. Beautiful. That is very good. We all need this. It is well to deny ourselves that which is permitted in order to avoid more easily that which is not permitted. Wow. <laughs> That's wisdom, huh? It is well to deny ourselves that which is permitted in order to avoid more easily that which is not. Wow. That's beautiful. That's denying yourself, right? Right. Yeah. And uh, that's how we practice that virtue to strengthen us. Right. It, it makes sense because uh, uh, those things that are easily permitted, how, how are we going to avoid them if we're not practicing temperance, you know, mm -hmm. if we're not practicing that virtue? That's good stuff, Bob. Thank you for sharing that. No problem. St. Benedict, please pray for us, all of us. Amen. So, as promised, let's talk about, I want to go to our, uh, the, the apparition of Our Lady of Revelations, and then, um, then we're going to go to the Divine Mercy, right, and then to Revelations 12 in Scripture. And here's what our, our Lady of Revelations, um, of course, it was 1947, April 12, 1947. She appeared to Bruno Cornacciola at Trefontaine in Rome, Italy. The Trefontaine was named for the place where St. Paul the Apostle was martyred. When he was decapitated, his head bounced three times and springs of water gushed forth. The Trefontaine is also called the Fountains of the Blessed Trinity. A section not too distant from the Trefontaine was long reputed for evil happenings and sinfulness. It was here that the Virgin appeared to Bruno Cornacciola. At this time, Bruno, who was a Protestant nonetheless, can you imagine? Bruno was a Protestant manifested a great hatred for the Catholic Church and the Blessed Mother of God. In fact, he was planning to assassinate Pope Pius XII. In a grotto near the region of the Trefontaine, Bruno saw light growing brighter and brighter. A beautiful woman appeared in a brilliant white robe with a green mantle and red sash and her bare feet resting on a rock. Clasped to her breast, 
the Blessed Virgin held an ash-colored book. It was the Book of Revelations, the Bible. Bruno startled at and surprised, asked the lady, Who are you? You are so beautiful. The Blessed Virgin replied, I am who I am in the Divine Trinity. Isn't that something? Reminiscent of what she told um, uh, St. Bernadette at Lourdes in the apparitions of Lourdes Fatima, I am the Immaculate Conception. So here she's saying, I am who I am in the Divine Trinity. That's a pretty potent statement, <laughs> pretty bold. I mean, only God is, I am who I am. But notice the ending statement, I am who I am in the divine trinity. And it is God who has done great things for me, the Blessed Virgin would proclaim in her Magnificat in Luke's Gospel. It is God, the Mighty One, who has done great things for me. And he raised her to such a great height of dignity and glory with God that she's one with the trinity now. But that's what St. Peter was talking about when he said we are to become partakers of divine nature. And Mary is a perfect example of that, and she is enjoying that reality to the fullest, most, out of any creature that forever. There's no other creature that will enjoy to that degree that the mother of God is enjoying a partaker of divine nature. So she has every right to say that. But, you know, once we're, we're united with God, we could also say, I am who I am in the divine trinity. Because you'll be fully human. You'll be the full, full, hum, uh, fully uh, perfected human being in the divine trinity according to God's holy will, the way he designed you and I to be. We will know totally who we are once we are totally immersed and united in the divine trinity. It makes so much sense. So, having said that, she says, I am the daughter of the Father, the mother of the Son, and the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the virgin of revelation. You persecute me enough. I'm going to say that again. She's telling Bruno, you persecute me enough. Doesn't that sound like what Jesus said uh, to St. Paul? And notice this happened at the Trey Fontaine where St. Paul was beheaded. Jesus said to St. Paul, well, Saul at the time, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And here's Our Lady saying, Bruno, you persecute me enough. And Bruno admitted earlier in this reading that he was out to kill the Pope, had a great hatred for the Catholic Church and the Mother of God. My goodness. Enter into the holy sheepfold, the heavenly court on earth. So she's inviting him into the Catholic Church. Remember, he was a Protestant. Be obedient to the authority of the Pope. Again, Bruno questioned her, but why do you appear to me? I am a great sinner. I go out with loose women, beat my wife and children, and I am ready to murder the Pope. The Virgin replied, Bruno, you once made the nine first Fridays with your wife Yolanda to the sacred heart of my divine son. I'm going to read that again. You once made the nine first Fridays with your wife Yolanda to the sacred heart of my divine son. Well, that's a promise of the, the, the nine first Fridays of the sacred heart of Jesus where he, uh, the, uh, to St. Margaret Mary, he, he said those souls on first Fridays of each month who uh, go to confession, go to mass, and pray the sacred heart uh, novena prayers and other prayers devoted to the sacred heart and are in a state of grace after nine first Fridays. Um, I, I think one of the promises was um, uh, you receive a plenary indulgence. But in other words, he's promising great graces to that soul. And, and Bruno, unbeknownst to him because of his faith of his wife, he's enjoying the graces and blessings and promises of our Lord when he gave that devotion to St. Margaret Mary Alacoque. And Our Lady's telling him here, that, that's why I'm appearing to you, for that reason, for the mercy of Jesus, my son. It is through his grace that you have been called from a life of sin back to the sacred fold. You will be like the new St. Paul, 
who brought many poor sinners back to the flock, especially non-believers. On May 30, 1947, in one of her apparitions, the Virgin of Revelation asked Bruno to go to my beloved daughters, the religious teachers Filippini. Those are the Filippini nuns under Lucy Filippini, and there's one, there's a, a, a convent of Filippini nuns. They were stationed in Waterbury at Holy Land, and now they're up in Winchester. But uh, there was three statues, original statues of Our Lady of Revelations, and and they were the, Our Lady told the, uh, Bruno that uh, that I want one of those statues to go to the Lucy Filippini nuns, and one of those statues is right here in Connecticut, the original statue of Our Lady of Revelations. I just wanted to mention that because that's what we're talking about here. So tell tell the religious Filippini that their mission is to be one of intense prayer for the conversion of non-believers and for sinners. The religious teachers Filippini had been asked by Pope Benedict in 1920 to staff the convent of the Trey Fontaine to teach Christian doctrine. The new sanctuary will be a perpetual promise to continue the mission given by the Virgin of Revelation to her beloved daughters, the religious teachers Filippini. So that's our Lady of Revelations, and um, I thought that was very fitting with our talks and how she appeared with the book of Revelations in her hands. So the woman clothed with the sun, Revelations 12, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars. Keep in mind St. Michael's there as well, and if you look at the, uh, the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, it has all those things with the moon under her feet, and beneath that, upholding Mary and the moon, is St. Michael the Archangel. And it's very fitting because Mary and St. Michael the Archangel have very similar roles. Crushing the head of Satan. St. Michael crushed the serpent. Our Lady's crushing the serpent as well. Okay. Now to tie that in and to confirm or to back up what we're saying is this is taken from the, uh, the Divine Mercy Shrine in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And this is what they say. Clearly, what St. John was shown in his vision, recorded here in the book of Revelations, is the Ark of the Covenant is now in heaven as woman clothed with the Son, whose child is the Messiah, who will rule with a rod of iron. Indeed, several of the church fathers saw this passage as a reference to Mary, the mother of our Savior, including St. Ephraim, the Syrian, St. Ambrose, and St. Augustine. At the same time, many of the fathers saw the woman as a symbol of Israel and the church, the new Israel. There are certainly indications that this is also what the woman symbolizes here. For example, she has a crown of 12 stars on her head, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 apostles. So which interpretation is correct? Both are correct. And the Itchin fathers saw no contradiction between them. It was not uncommon in ancient Jewish literature to use a double symbol, a historical individual used to symbolize a whole group of people. For example, it was quite likely that the famous passage in Isaiah 53 about the sufferings of the Messiah, he was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief, are also meant to symbolize the vocation of suffering of the whole people of Israel. In a similar way, Mary, the mother of the church, is used in the book of Revelation to symbolize the fulfillment of the vocation of Israel in the new people of God who are to bear Christ into the world. It is no wonder that when the church began to put together liturgical texts for the Feast of the Assumption, she made a connection, first made by several of the ancient fathers between Psalm 131, verse 8, and the mystery of the heavenly woman, Ark. Arise, O Lord, and go to thy resting place, thou and the Ark of thy might, after the Lord arose from the dead. He took with him into the heavenly glory the true Ark of the new covenant, the body of his mother Mary. 
For just as the ancient Israelites believed that the original ark was made from incorruptible wood, so this passage foreshadows the bodily incorruption given to Mary by her risen son. And if we want further corroboration that the woman clothed with the son of Revelation 12 was meant to be a symbol of Mary, her body and soul in heavenly glory, have a look sometime at the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe, given miraculously by Our Lady to St. Juan Diego in the 16th century, and compare it with the description in the book of Revelation. In a future column, we will discuss the evidence that the miracle and its profound meaning suffice it to say here that Catholics can be confident that the, the lady, that Our Lady of Guadalupe and the woman of Revelations 12 are one and the same. So that's pretty powerful testimony by a very, very um, credible source, if you will, the, the Shrine of Divine Mercy up in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. And I thought that would be a, a great confirmation. It was a, it was a great reading. I, I truly enjoyed that. And a lot of, a lot of powerful stuff there. So let's see where that fits in Revelation 12. We're going to go right to Scripture now. Revelation 12. We'll read the whole chapter because it's, it's all about what we're talking about. A great sign appeared in the sky, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was with child and wailed aloud in pain as she labored to give birth. Then another sign appeared in the sky. It was a huge red dragon with seven heads and ten horns, and on its heads were seven diadems. Its tail swept away a third of the stars in the sky and hurled them down to the earth. Then the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth, to devour her child when she gave birth. She gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and his throne. The woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God that there she might be taken care of for 1260 days. Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels battled against the dragon. The dragon and its angels fought back, but they did not prevail, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. The huge red dragon, the ancient serpent, who was called the devil and Satan, who deceived the whole world was thrown down to the earth, and its angels were thrown down with it. Now, I'm going to stop there just for a minute because I want to make reference to the huge red dragon, number one, and also how he deceived the whole world. It says in other translations of, of, of Revelations 12, um, the whole world was seduced by the devil. Okay, I want, to, I want you to keep that in mind because I'm going to reference uh, in the Marian movement of priests, um, Our Lady uh, points out who the, red, who the huge red dragon is and how he is deceiving the world. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have salvation and power come, and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his anointed. For the accuser of our brothers is cast out who accuses them before our God day and night. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb. Isn't that interesting? The blood of the Lamb, the merciful heart of Jesus, the blood and water that gushed forth from the side of heart of Jesus as a fount of mercy for us, I trust in you. The sacrament of reconciliation, but most especially the sacrament of Eucharist. And the Divine Mercy Shrine referenced that. It's the blood of the Lamb. Therefore rejoice. I'm sorry, let me back up. They conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. Love for life did not deter them from death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, earth and sea, for the devil has come down to you in great fury, for he knows he has but a short time. Now there were several, uh, several apparition sites where our I think it is even referenced in, our, in the Mary Movement of Priests where Our Lady talks about how the devil knows that his time is short. It is not only she references, she also speaks of 
not only is it the time of her greatest triumph, the triumph of her immaculate heart, but it is also Satan, her adversary's greatest attempt to bring the church down and bring humanity down. Sounds like Revelations 12 to me. When the dragon saw that it had been thrown down to the earth, it pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. But the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle so that she could fly to her place in the desert where far from the serpent she was taken care of for a year, two years, and a half year. The serpent, however, spewed a torrent of water out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the current. Let me read that one more time. This is, this is uh, kind of important. It's pretty... Um, the serpent, however, spewed a torrent of water out of his mouth after the woman to sweep her away with the current. Now, Our Lady's talking about how devotion to her immaculate heart is, being, is dwindling and in some places has disappeared completely. This is exactly the attempt, the devil's attempt, to sweep her away by sweeping devotion from the hearts of the faithful. Now, clearly, the, the devil cannot sweep Mary away directly. Why? Because she's the mother of Jesus, the spouse of the Holy Spirit. She's totally united with God, the Holy Spirit the giver of life, the awesome power of God, there's no way that he could take her down, sweep her away directly. But what his attempt is, is to sweep devotion from her away, from the hearts of her faithful, by obscuring the truth about her, and the truth that God wants to reveal about her to his church. Somehow, the devil has succeeded in obscuring Mary's place in the church. What am I talking about? Well, sweeping devotion away. Or, she puts it this way in the Mary Movement of Priests. Somehow, they believe, some, not all, but some of her priest sons believe that overemphasis and devotion to the Immaculate Heart of Mary the mother of Jesus, somehow cast the shadow on, a, on the glory and honor due to her son alone. That one statement there is exactly the way the devil is trying to obscure Mary's position, Mary's place amongst the faithful, to do what? To really fluster and um, frustrate God's plan of salvation through his mother. And she tells us in the Mary Movement of Priests that her adversary, the devil and Satan, fears this most. In fact, she goes on to say, goes on further to say that he fears only this. So this is very important to understand. And, you know, it is up to us as faithful Catholics, and that's exactly why I'm talking about this, because in the next uh, verse, it says, The earth helped the woman. Because we're living in very dark times. I don't know if you noticed, know the world is, getting, is falling further and further into sin, uh, lust everywhere, the sin of lust, the, the sin of corruption, atheism spreading like wildfire. We truly are living in a God, you know, a godless world. It's becoming more and more a godless world, a relativistic world where I am God and I will decide for myself in my life what I think is good and evil. We've got billions and billions and billions of souls who think they're God. And is that not what the devil tempted Adam and Eve with? You will be like gods deciding for yourselves what is good and what is evil? Everybody's got their own opinion on what is good and what is evil. It appears that everyone's opinion is God. <laughs> it's God's word. That's pretty scary. So we are living in these times, and, this, and Our Lady's got an urgent call, Our Lady of Revelations, an urgent call back to God, back to the basics. And uh, who else? Uh, one other thing I want to add while we're here is, uh, uh, Bishop Barron, Bishop Robert Barron, said in one of his re gospel reflections 
that because of original sin, we have an, an incredible tendency or an inclination to deify our own egos. That is the fruit of original sin. And we need to be made aware of that so we can repent of that. And the best way to do that is to give it through Mary. Do it through Mary to help us with, with, our, with our egos so that we can be humble, we can humble ourselves before God and realize that we are not know-it-alls. In fact, what happens with the ego, and because of the fall of original, uh, our fall in original sin, and we deify the ego, we become literally clueless know-it-alls. I'm going to say that again. We become clueless know-it-alls. We think we know everything, yet we know nothing. And who are you to tell me? I know everything. It's my opinion. Well, that's not the truth of God. Your opinion may not necessarily be God's truth. So I say we need to become like St. Peter who said, I'm a sinful, prideful man, Lord, and humble ourselves before God and say, I know nothing. Shed some light in the darkness of my mind and intellect. And I'm going to surrender my ego to our Lord so that he can enlighten my mind so I can know the truth. Okay, let's get back to Revelations 12. But the earth helped the woman and opened his mouth and swallowed the flood that the dragon spewed out of its mouth. So there we have it. This is exactly our attempt, and that's exactly uh, the, the purpose of consecration to our Blessed Mother. Do everything in and through Mary. Why? So we can help her. Help her for, uh, carry out God's plan of salvation for the world, for the church to bring about the triumph of her immaculate heart and the reign of Christ the King, the sacred heart of Jesus in the world, in our church. This is what we're all heading for. Then the dragon became angry with the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. It took its position on the sand of the sea. So one other thing I want to point out clearly is he grew angry at the woman and waged war at the rest of her children. Who are the rest of her children? You know, in, once, in one part of the scripture, it says, uh, I'm not sure if it's John's gospel, that where Jesus was, uh, he, he was the firstborn among, amongst many brethren. Who are the rest of this woman's children? And he also uh, says that um, he gave them power to become sons of God. Sons of God, that means Jesus is our brother. Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. Well, obviously this woman, Mary, is our mother. Jesus being the firstborn among many brethren, her firstborn child, she is our spiritual mother, and we are her spiritual children. And it goes on to say, who are these spiritual children? Those that keep the commandments of God. And those who bear witness to Jesus. Wow. I don't know about you, but when I first started practicing my faith, it was difficult to keep the commandments of God. Very difficult. But what I, once being consecrated to Our Lady, that's why I can't thank God enough, the fruit of the consecration to our Blessed Mother, has, she has helped me immeasurably to align myself with the commandments of God. And should I fall, what does she do? She tells me to immediately get up, go into the confessional, receive my son's mercy. What does she do? She brings me to the foot of the cross where the blood and water gush forth from the heart of Jesus and poured out for the life of the world. So Mary, it is Mary that helps us keep God's commandments closest. So those that keep the commandments of God closest are those that are consecrated to, to the mother of God as prescribed by Jesus when he told uh, the visionary at Fatima, I desire souls to be consecrated to the Immaculate Heart of Mary so that they can be, she can bring them to perfect consecration to my sacred heart. And there's where you will learn and have the grace and the strength 
to keep the commandments of God, especially the two great commandments. Love God with your whole heart, with your whole mind, with your, all your soul, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And you can't possibly love your neighbor as yourself until you get that first commandment right. You can't. Because once we love God with our whole hearts, now we know love. And he fills our hearts with himself, which is the fire of his divine love. And Mary helps us to get to that point. No, that's her goal. She's a good mother. She desires only the best for her children. And, and that's exactly what she's working on in us when we totally consecrate, give ourselves over to her, as St. Pope John Paul calls it, total entrustment. I entrust everything to Mary. And, that's, and then she brings us to that, that realization, to the consecration to the sacred heart of, the Jesus, of Jesus. So that's Revelations 12. I hope I made sense out of it. Um, there's so much more. But uh, it's clear as day to me that, that the plan that God has through Mary is right there in Revelations 12. Why would the earth have to help the woman if this weren't true, what we're talking about? Who is the woman? Well, the fathers of the church say that St. Ambrose, St. Augustine, St. Cyril, they all say that not only is it the woman, Mary, but it's also a model of the church. And, and they say, well, you know, both of those are correct. So it's obviously it's Mary, the mother of Jesus, and God is working a great plan through her to bring humanity back to God, bring the church to the glory that, that God designed it to be. Okay. All right. Do you know what I want to do? I want to just stop for a minute and say a prayer to Our Lady of Revelations because after that I want to go into the, a little bit into the Miriam movement of priests and see how I could reference uh, uh, Revelations 12 and what she's saying there as well. Okay, the prayer goes like this. Most Holy Virgin of Revelation, you who are in the Divine Trinity, we beg you to turn your merciful and benevolent gaze toward us. O Mary, you who are our powerful advocate before God, can obtain miracles for the conversion of unbelievers and sinners. Help us obtain from your Son, Jesus, the salvation of our souls, perfect help of body and all the graces we need. Give the church and its leaders, the Roman pocket, the joy of seeing the conversion of its enemies, the spread of the kingdom of God throughout the world, the unity of believers in Christ, and peace to all nations. We beg for the true peace of all nations so that we can better love and serve you in this life and merit to come one day to see and thank you eternally in heaven. Amen. And it says to conclude that with three Hail Marys, I'd like to do that because the Hail Mary, the angelic salutation is extremely powerful. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Bob, if you're there, you can finish that for me. If not, then I'll continue on. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bob. All right. And uh, here's uh, from the Mary Movement of Priests. It's taken from uh, number 248 in the message, number 248. And it's referencing, I am the woman clothed with the sun. I'm going to read that and see what she has to say about that, that uh, uh, Revelations 12. 
and it's titled, it's taken June 30th, 1982, and it's titled The Secret of My Immaculate Heart. Beloved sons, I have brought you again up this mountain for a week of continual cynical with me, your heavenly leader. I want to reveal to you the secret of my immaculate heart in order to have you share in the mystery of my maternal love. Never as in these present times has my heart trembled with the most pure love for those whom Jesus entrusted to me when I stood beneath the cross on which he was about to die. The church today has need to feel itself loved by me. Humanity today has need to feel itself loved by me. My poor sinful and wandering children have need today of feeling themselves loved by me. I want to love through you. I want to help humanity, the church, and all my children through you who are called to enter into the mystery of my immaculate heart. For this, I am bringing about an ever deeper union between my motherly heart and yours, my beloved priests. So she's addressing the priests here, but I want to make it clear, too, that she's also talking to her faithful children who belong to the Mary Movement of Priests, who, who in short are consecrated to her Immaculate Heart, plain and simple. So that includes them as well, but most especially her priests. The luminous ray which shines forth from my heart will spread to all parts of the world. It will be like a strong anchor to be which, to which all will be able to cling with confidence in order to be saved at the moment of the decisive test. Wow. I want to suffer through you. I will expand your heart that you may also be able to understand the mystery of my motherly suffering. See if there is today any suffering greater than mine, my son. My son Jesus is outraged, despised. He is again abandoned and betrayed by his own. The sacrileges which are constantly increasing make up a new crown of thorns which surround the tabernacles scattered throughout all parts of the earth. The church, his mystical body, is again scourged by division and threatened by error. Those children who are faithful are called to bear great sufferings and to endure insult and outrage on the parts of those who do not listen to me. Humanity in rebellion against the Lord is rushing inexorably along the road of rejection of God, and this brings it to fall into the abyss of death and desolation. How many there are who are lost each day, swept along by this widespread and dangerous confusion, share in my motherly sorrow, judge no one, condemn no one, pray, love, carry the cross of this great suffering with me for the salvation of all. I am your heavenly leader. I am the woman clothed with the sun. I have gathered you together again in this cenacle, extraordinary for its graces, to obtain for you from the Father, through Jesus, the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He will complete in you the work begun by me. He will mold your hearts to the perfection of love. He will bring you to understand everything. He will strengthen you and give you courage for the supreme witness for which I, as mother, have formed you. I'm going to read that again because that's like a perfect description of the fruit of consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and how much the Holy Spirit delights in souls that take that seriously. Now that's what St. Louis de Montfort says. So here we go again. He will complete in you the work begun by me. He will mold your hearts to the perfection of love. He will bring you to understand everything. He will strengthen you and give you courage for the supreme witness for which I as mother have formed you. Okay? To the perfection of love, we have to live the two great commandments in order to do that. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. If we break any of the commandments, it's obvious we're not living the first. It's obvious. You can't possibly be living the first if we're breaking any one of those commandments. So I, I want to point that out. That's very important. Bring to the fullness of love. Love God first with your whole heart, mind, soul, and strength. And now you can love your neighbor as God loves us because we're filled with his divine love. So that's number one. Number two, so to give you courage for the supreme witness for which I as mother have formed you. Witness to what? 
to the gospel. It's that simple. And that's right there in Revelations 12. The dragon became angry, went off to wage war against the rest of her children, those who keep God's commandments and bear witness to Jesus. There it is right there. What a, what a powerful witness. Uh, that's just a, a, a small one. There's other readings that we might not have time for that are very, very, uh, the words are exact. So I just wanted to point that out. The times of the great trial have come. Go down from this mountain and spread throughout every part of the earth the light from the merciful love of Jesus, which today is being poured out upon all humanity by means of the love and the sorrow of my immaculate heart, in which I have enfolded you all forever. I bless you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Wow. That's bringing tears to my eyes. <laughs> That's powerful. Thank you, God, for Blessed Mother. And, uh, of course, she br always brings us to the fount of divine mercy beneath the cross, the blood and water which pours forth from the side of Jesus, the merciful fount of the merciful love of the heart of Jesus. That's exactly what she does. And she's verifying that here. Well, you know, there, there is one other reading I want to read. It's fairly short. But just to give you a taste, give everyone a taste of, of what's going to happen if we take consecration to the Immaculate Heart of Mary seriously, and when we do, how God's plan is going to be fulfilled to her Immaculate Heart, and what is going, a, a glimpse of what is about to take place or what will take place once we start listening to the mother who tells us to do whatever Jesus tells us to do. It's that simple. So here's, verse, here's number 246. It's from uh, Germany. Uh, it's dated May 30th, 1982, the Solemnity of Pentecost. And it's titled The Hour of the Holy Spirit. In the cenacle of my immaculate heart, prepare yourselves to receive the fire of the love of the Holy Spirit, which will lead my church to live the joyous moment of its Pentecost, and which will renew the whole face of the earth. I believe that. This is its hour. It is the hour of the Holy Spirit, who from the Father and by means of the Son is given to you evermore and more as a gift as a sign of the merciful love of God who wants to save mankind. By the fire of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of love, the work of the great purification will be quickly accomplished. The church groans as it awaits his merciful work of purification. Through the interior of sufferings and by means of trials, which will bring it to relive the bloody hours of the passion, through which my son Jesus lived. The church will be led to its divine splendor. It will be healed of the wounds of error. Thanks be to God. Blessed be God. Which have spread like a hidden cancer and which threatened the deposit of faith. It will be cured of the leprosy of sin, which obscures its sanctity. It will be purified of all those human elements which separate it from the spirit of the gospel. It will be deprived of its earthly goods and purified of many of its means of power. That once again it may become poor, humble, simple, and chaste. Wow, what a revelation that is. I'm going to read that again because that's powerful stuff. If what I'm saying is true, this is exactly what we got to look forward to. But this has been prophesied for millennia. This is God's whole plan from the beginning. His church the new Jerusalem, but it must be purified of what? All those human elements. Wow. It will be healed of the wounds of error, which have spread like a hidden cancer, and which threaten deposit of faith. It will be cured of the leprosy of sin, which obscures its sanctity. It will be purified of all those human elements, which separate it from the spirit of the gospel. It will be deprived of its earthly goods, purified of many of its means of power. And once again, it may become poor, humble, simple, and chaste. In its pastors and its flock, it will again be crucified, 
that it may give perfect witness to the gospel of Jesus. Through the power of fire and of blood, the whole world will also be renewed. Humanity will return once again to the glorification of the Father through Jesus, who will at last have established his reign in your midst. This is, then, the hour of the Holy Spirit. He will come to you in all his fullness by means of the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, his most beloved spouse. Well, in a nutshell... That's pretty much God's plan through the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Pretty powerful. While Eve was the mother of the living, named, after, named by um, Adam, the mother of all the living, now Mary, the new Eve, is the mother of the Holy Spirit, the spirit of, 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 the spirit of love, the spirit of truth, who now has become the mother of all the living. Because the Holy Spirit is the giver of life. And Mary is most united to the Holy Spirit. No other creature will ever be more united to the Holy Spirit than Mary. It's that simple. What a great plan that God has through our loving mother. And I can't thank you, Abba, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, enough for the great gift, the treasure of our beautiful mother, our beautiful loving mother, the seat of wisdom, the spouse of the Holy Spirit, mediatrix of all graces, how your awesome plan is going to be revealed to your glorification, to the glorification of the church, to the resplendent, splendorous um, glorification of, of the sacred heart of Jesus and humanity. It's amazing. It's amazing. There's so much more. I think we ran out of time. And uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it uh, next week. And uh, we'll dig more into the Mary movement and, and see how we can tie it in with Revelations 12. There's so much more. But uh, anyways, there you have it. And, uh, and if you're there, Bob, and you want to share, bring in St. Joseph by all means. You are on deck. We need St. Joseph. This is uh, called Friend in Suffering. St. Joseph, your share of suffering was very great because of your close union with the Divine Savior. All the mysteries of his life were more or less mysteries of suffering. <clears throat> Poverty pressed upon you, and the cross of labor followed you everywhere. Nor were you spared domestic crosses owing to misunderstandings in regard to the holiest and most cherished of all beings, Jesus and Mary, who were all to you. Seeing must have been the suffering caused by the uncertainty regarding Mary's virginity, by the bestowal of the name of Jesus, which pointed to future misfortune. Deeply painful must have been the prophecy of Simeon, the flight into Egypt, the disappearance of Jesus at the Paschal Feast. To these sufferings were surely added interior sorrow at the sight of the sins of your own people. You bore all this suffering in a truly Christian-like manner, or Christ-like manner, and in this you are example. No sound of complaint or impatience escaped you. You were indeed the silent saint, you submitted to all in the spirit of faith, humility, confidence, and love. You cheerfully bore all in union with and for the Savior and his mother, knowing well that true love is a crucified love. But God never forsook you in your trials. The trials, too, disappeared and were changed at last into consol consolation and joy. It seems that God had purposely intended your life to be filled with suffering as well as consolation to keep before my eyes the truth that my life on earth is but a succession of joys and sorrows and that I must gratefully accept whatever God sends me and during the time of consolation prepare for suffering. 
Teach me to bear my cross in the spirit of faith, of confidence, and of gratitude toward God. In a happy eternity, I shall thank God fervently for the sufferings which he deigned to send me during my pilgrimage on earth, and which after your example I endured with patience and heartfelt love for Jesus and Mary. You are truly the martyr of the hidden life. This was God's will, for the holier a person is, the more he has tried for the love and glory of God. If suffering is the flowering of God's grace in a soul and the triumph of the soul's love for God, being the greatest of saints after Mary, you suffered more than any of the martyrs. Because you have experienced the sufferings of this valley of tears, you are most kind and sympathetic toward those in need. Down through the ages, souls have turned to you in distress and have always found you a faithful friend in suffering. You have graciously heard their prayers and their needs, even though it demands a miracle. Having been so intimately united with Jesus and Mary in your life, your intercession with them is most powerful. St. Joseph, I thank God for your privilege of being able to suffer for Jesus and Mary. As a token of your own gratitude to God, obtain for me the grace to bear my suffering patiently for the love of Jesus and Mary. Grant that I may unite the sufferings, works, and disappointments of life with the sacrifice of Jesus in the Mass and share like you in Mary's spirit of sacrifice. Amen. Amen. That's beautiful, Bob. We've got a couple minutes. I want to, there's a few words here about a paragraph where St. Joseph is talking about the, the Holy Family. And this is taken from Our Lady of America. The visionary was a cloistered nun, but uh, I won't go into that. I'll go into it another time, but this is March 30th, 1958, and it says, As he had promised, St. Joseph came again on March 30th. His requests were similar to those of Our Lady and the first Saturday. The sacred hearts of Jesus and Mary and Joseph have been chosen by the Most Holy Trinity to bring peace to the world. Hence, their request for special love and honor, also in particular, reparation and imitation. These are the words of St. Joseph recorded on March 30th. He says, I am the protector of the church and the home. As I was the protector of Christ and his mother while I lived upon earth, Jesus and Mary desire that my pure heart, so long hidden and unknown, be now honored in a special way. Let my children honor my most pure heart in a special manner. On the first Wednesday of the month, by reciting the joyful mysteries of the rosary, in memory of my life with Jesus and Mary, and the love I bore them, the sorrow I suffered with them, let them receive Holy Communion in union with the love with which I received the Savior for the first, first time, and each time I held him in my arms. Those who honor me in this way will be consoled by my presence at their death, and I myself will conduct them safely into the presence of Jesus and Mary. And then he goes on to say, I will come again, little child of my most pure heart. Until then, continue in patience and humility, which is so pleasing to God. Those are beautiful words and uh, of St. Joseph and how he desires to be honored. And um, I think we'll end it there. We'll end with a prayer. I, I think we're out of time, right, Bob? Yeah, we've got uh, a couple of minutes. All right. Well, let's end with a prayer to we, to our eternal Father. But I just want to point out one thing. Our Lady says that her adversary fears this most. She's talking about her intercession and God's plan through her immaculate heart. He fears only this, she says. And to back that up in St. Louis de Montfort's Secret of the Rosary, we read that a few weeks back, where, where St. Dominic commanded in the holy name of Jesus, a man that was possessed by 15,000 demons, and the demons vehemently tried to dodge this question, what they fear most. But after he called upon our Blessed Mother, and she commanded them in the holy name of Jesus, they spilled their guts, and they said they fear Mary's intercession most. They fear those that pray the rosary most. Why? Because it is no soul has been lost 
who has ever prayed the rosary, and more souls have snatched from the pit of hell through Mary's intercession in the rosary than any other saints and all the angels put together. So I just wanted to put that out, point that out, as as to back up um, the Mary movement of priests and, and you know of its authenticity. Also, let's thank God, our Father, Eternal Father. We thank you with all the love in our hearts for Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Glory be to your holy name for your wonderful gifts of love and grace. May we all glorify you with all our hearts and love you with all our hearts. Amen. And we'll be back again next week, same time, same station, with a You Know Mary, You Know Jesus with Bob Cantoni. Bob, you did a beautiful job today. Thank you for being with us, and we'll see you next week. You're welcome, Bob. Thank you, Bob. God bless you. We hope you enjoyed the program, and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafud. Good day.